Welcome back, my friends, to Mind, Heart, Muscle. I'm your host, Matthew Gallo, with our co-host, Ronald White, and our good friend, Alex Heisman, a fellow coach in the fitness industry. And we have met in when we did a certification uh, just over a year ago. Um, Alex was part of a group with us where we learned how to use our language to uh, change the outcomes of the things that we are um, working on, the things that are uh, top of mind. And Alex um, got to experience that whole thing with us. And if you were um, on listening to the show in the last year or so, you, you know all about the, the awesome people that we got to meet. And Alex is no different. What's what we really got into in this episode, which I really enjoyed, was um, Alex's thoughts and beliefs on fitness and what it means to be fit. We also talked about parenthood as Alex is a new father. At the time of this recording, um, he was into fatherhood about one month. And we talk about the challenges, we talk about the best parts, how to prepare for parenthood, and for our listeners that um, know, I had my son back in September and spent a lot of diff- uh, time doing all kinds of preparation to become a dad as well as um, help my wife. And we got to share a lot of those experiences. It was a really valuable conversation. I really enjoyed it. It was a ton of fun and uh, I know you guys will too. Without further ado, this is Alex Heisman. This is cool. Yeah. And Alex, I have no idea where, where Ron is. <laughs> he, he, he should be here. Well, he'll he'll all, pop in at some point. It's all good. And, and we will surprise him when he does. We'll, we'll turn the lights out. And, hey, we're here. Oh man, what what have you been up to the last uh, the last year, Alex? What's been going on? Uh, so last year, I'm trying to remember exactly. Uh, there was a point in which I was uh, walking uh, my grandmother's dog with my wife in the forest, and we ran into this uh, like fitness group. They were setting up a run. And uh, for about a good six or seven months, I was waking up around 4.30 to uh, work out with these guys at at 5.15. So it was nice to have a group because during the pandemic, I was mostly working out by myself. Um, So physically, (laughs) that's what I was up to. Uh, Started playing a lot of volleyball. Um, I switched my coaching to more uh, vocabulary and and more so what people say, um, that that's been a big transition for me. Uh, and then also my, my wife has made it so I don't have to go back to construction anymore due to her, um, inf- or she's an influencer on, on social media. So that's nice. Um, but uh, other than that, I'm sure there's little things here and there, but not, not too, well, I just had a child uh, on the 27th um last month so that that's been huge and i'd say 
that's been a big part of our year is planning, learning. Uh, we've had a doula over for the last three months, just figuring out mm -hmm. what pregnancy is and how I can help. And uh, the birth went incredibly smoothly. And I think a lot of do the patient um, for the, for birth of of our child, Adeline. Hmm. Madeline, I love the name. Or Adeline. It's Adeline. I, Madeline minus the M. I heard you said you had a doula. That's that's yes. really cool. My wife and I were talking about that for a long time, and then mm -hmm. and then didn't pull the trigger. Where, <laughs> uh, yeah, we did a lot of our own research and learning. Yeah. And it, it's worked out. It's worked out well. So it it was actually a, a family friend. Nice. And during COVID, her daughter uh, was, so she was in the room with her daughter for the first child and the second child, she wasn't going to be allowed to unless she was a doula. So she did the testing, she got the certification so she could be in there and she enjoyed the process so much and like talked to us about it. We're like, hey, could, could you do that for us mm. as well? And she said, sure, yeah, I'd love to. What's the, what's the um, most useful thing you've learned from that, from her? I would say I would, uh, the body is meant to do this. So for most women, I think there's a sense of uh, be scared of all this pain. You don't know what you're doing and just listen to whatever the doctors say. Now, there's certain times that there's an emergency, you need a C-section, so on and so forth. But there's so many women that have children at home and everything's fine. Like it's, it's a natural thing that the body does. And there isn't this fear of pain. It's more so a, my body is opening up. So I'm, I'm, and I'm going to have this child soon. So not having the, uh, <laughs> the child myself, I think that was the most important thing that I learned that Jessica was going to be able to do this. Mm. Right. There's that, uh, be able to do this. There's that, um, there's, there's so much narrative mm -hmm. story around what, what it is, isn't what it has to be, what's definitely going to happen or not. Mm -hmm. and, and it's confusing. It's really confusing. I remember talking about fear with, with my wife. Um, I want to say six months in, around the six month mark. And yeah. And that's where it started to set in for her is what, you know, like, uh, the the fear of the pain or what if something goes wrong all right. this all the those horror stories you hear you know yeah and i i i questioned everything um and and i started to question you know is it really is it really like going to be bad like is it is it meant to be so bad or is it part of the human process is it part of right what, what we're born to do like actually like that's how what we're made physically to do so it must happen in nature and you know we could do it too we could we could uh um, create that the feeling we want goes it goes it goes back to a lot of the coaching that we've gotten to do in the last year right and the mm -hmm. the things we we've learned well we we did a lot of practicing verbally uh, what I was going to say to her during her contractions, uh, the breathing, how she was going to breathe and relax. And because it's the whole thing is about opening up 
um, till you're fully dilated. And if you're tight, if you're tense, if your surrounding area is not supporting that relaxation, then it's not going to go as smoothly. And I think since we practiced beforehand, there's definitely time. So it'd be pretty much, I'd be giving a massage. I'd be talking about breath and stuff like that. And there was sometimes the words that I was saying, like, she's like, Hey, don't ask me questions. Just lead me on this, on this breath. Um, and, and that's all you need to do. So I, that was very helpful. Um, we, we practiced it beforehand. We talked about it. And then when it came to game time, it was just kind of feeding off each other to see what was going to work best. And, and I imagine it worked out well. And yeah, I have no, a beautiful it, daughter. Yes. <laughs> the, the, uh, her water broke at 8 a.m., at 10 o'clock, she had her first contraction. Uh, it was about 20 minutes apart. And then at 12 o'clock, they actually started to be seven minutes apart to three minutes apart. And we got to the hospital at uh, 4.30 and had was born at, at seven pounds, 20 inches and a very round head. <laughs> So it was two pushes and then she was out. Ooh, awesome. Yeah. So that, that is a beautiful experience, man. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. How is, uh, how has it been adjusting to fatherhood, knowing what you know, as a coach? Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say the biggest change is Jessica what used to do all of the housework, the cooking, the cleaning, the laundry, making the bed, just keeping the house tidy and, and stuff like that. And uh, during her pregnancy, she's, I'd say the first three months, like she was more or less bedridden and things like that. So I helped out a little bit more. Um, but really now the last two weeks, I've been doing a majority of those things and the skill of the activities is not one that is like, I don't have to YouTube how to do the dishes. I don't have to YouTube how to do the laundry. Like these are things that I've helped out with in the past and stuff like that. But um, the motivation or the mindset is much different now to where this is, this is now a big part of my role in the household. So usually I would just sit down and like, if there is nothing to do, or if there was things to do, that was more so on Jessica's side. I was like, Oh, like I'll let those happen now. Um, but more, I'm, I'm more likely to take the lead in, in the things in the house right now. And I've enjoyed that because I have more of a purpose <laughs> and, and more structure. Uh, but I can see where there could be, issues continuing just in the way of um once again it's it's not that skill heavy but i feel like it is brought joy that i can do these things to to help with jessica or benefit benefit the family hmm. i imagine that's very helpful for her yes yeah, she's she's very happy yeah. and surprised she and for leave. you yeah it's like uh <laughs> and for you getting you know as 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 Hey, we're, we're in a similar situation. And when in the past, things like things needed to get done around the house, you know, as mm -hmm. a, as a husband, I would, I would 
I would help, mm -hmm. you know, offer help. Um, and then there are some things I enjoyed doing, some things I, I loathed, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dishes being one of them or, uh, or there's just some, there's things that, um, you know, my wife just does better than I do. So <laughs> I'm going to let her do it because she's going to end up doing it again anyway. Yeah. So until, until there's uh you know, until there's a baby in the house and then right. suddenly we're good at everything. Everything, mm -hmm. everything is like on point. Things are getting right. done. That's there's, there's been a, a discipline shift. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, a, and a belief belief shift too. Like what did it, what are the things that, that we are responsible for? What is our purpose? Right. Who are we for this family now? Like part of this. Yeah. Did you always want want to have uh, kids? Was that was that always something on your mind? Um. So there's been a. Uh, I I think raising children is going to be extremely uh, important and enjoyable and a life lesson. And it will give me more perspective on my life and others. And I think my my wife's goal from the get-go has always been to be a stay-at-home mother and raise a child. So um, I'm glad that I can help support her and, and do that as well. Um, but I, my, my main goal is to help as many people as possible. And I think this is going to be something that helps me greatly along that way. Um, because when I would give my sister advice about raising <laughs> her child there, I had no weight behind it. I wasn't allowed to say anything of that nature or even ask questions. So um, now I think that me going through it myself is going to once again, help me get better perspective. And then from there, help others as well. Mm. When you say your goal is to help as many people as possible. How do you, how do you see yourself helping people in general? Um, opening uh, understanding or just the belief that anything that someone chooses to do realistically, even if it is rocket science, you can go on YouTube for the next two, three months or years and figure you can learn all of these things. But I think without having a story behind it or having enough push or motivation or understanding how to take those steps, a lot of people are gonna be stuck where they are because they have just the perspective of their own life. And that's an extremely minimal amount of life that they've lived. So say someone's 50, they've lived 50 years of their life and say they don't travel, say they don't have too many friends, say they don't have a, a wide variety of information around them, they've lived about 50 years. Now, if you go listen to a lot of podcasts or read a bunch of books, things of that nature, you'll see that there's so many more possibilities. Uh, and I think that would be more beneficial to people rather than just saying, yes, you can do it and things of that nature. Oh, who is this guy? Who's this guy? Well, we solved the world's issues, so. <laughs> Got it all done without me. Yep. Dude, great, great. Thanks for being on the show. It, it, uh, we'll talk next <laughs> yeah, time. We'll, we'll do it again. We'll do it again later. Everybody, and Alexander Heisman, let's <laughs> thank you so much for being here. So here's here's a, a fun fact. When uh, when you utilize your Calendly calendar 
and don't change times to when things are actually supposed to be to see when they are and you just look at what you have recorded you might end up messing them up by a half hour (laughs) i thought for when i looked at this uh, i think two days ago or yesterday i thought this was a podcast that i was recording and then i looked at the calendar i was like oh uh, this is your guys this is wonderful great i don't have to be prepared (laughs) (laughs) awesome uh well, man, Ron, you just pattern interruption right in in, uh-huh. in here, we messed us up. We were in the middle of conversation. Goody, goody I did gumdrops. I did it on purpose. Just wanted to fu- wanted to fuck with you guys. No big deal. I know. I get it. So yeah, fifty years of a life lived with your story, and yeah. and then hey, boom! All of a sudden, there's wait. You mean there's people over there that live diff- that can do something different? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. And and I live in uh I live in, in in Staten Island, New York. And if you know anything about Staten Island, New York, right? You you, you might have heard about us on TV once. <laughs> <laughs> uh really uh the people here blame the people here for everything. Yeah. All the world's problems come from come from the pe- the people in in Staten Island, New York. And <laughs> And what I hear so, so often from people around, around me, like in my community, people I, I work with, people who come to the gym or uh, people I went to school with, it's like, you know, we're just different here, right? Mm-hmm. This, it's, this is just who we are. This is just who I am. Classic, right? Yep. Classic victim mentality language. And, and unfortunately a lot of that is is very true because you know where where else are you going to get your um your knowledge from your history Mm -hmm. your your cultural um tendencies right the things we do habitually the things we believe we can do the things we believe exist or don't exist or are possible and uh, you know what what we find is in in going through a lot of the the education we have in the last uh, couple of years. And like you said, Alex, reading all the books and the podcasts and and understanding like other possibilities that are out there. Mm -hmm. It's, it's becoming really apparent that, um, that it's difficult. It's really difficult to, to get out of and get into the, the thought process of, seeing things from a different perspective like you had described before mm-hmm. how do you how do you help people like that how do you how, well yeah accepting for people for who they are and what their goals are mm-hmm. meeting them where they're at how do we help them be able to use different perspectives to their advantage and learn what have you found that works well for you i believe i believe the best way is to have them answer that question so if any time they bring something up about oh woe is me or i'm stuck in this person this position or so and so did this to me i'll simply ask like oh why why do you think that happened why do you think uh so and so did that and and if it's a boss or if it's a friend then i'll say well why do you think 
they would do that. And usually their initial response is like, oh, they're just a jerk. Oh, they're, they're just money hungry or whatever it is. And then I'll, I'll just, I'll just sit there because th they have said it out loud. <laughs> then, then they hear what they've said. And then there, there's a pause and they're like, well, may, maybe the company isn't doing so well, or maybe so-and-so is upset that, uh, his girlfriend left him or a multitude of different reasons. And I have not gone into a situation where they come back to me and they're like, oh yeah, it turns out this has happened or that has happened or someone on the news or a actor that's like, oh, this person's a terrible person. But when you get to know them, generally it's not that bad. And there may have been a reason for it. It's like, somebody has runs into somebody on a bad day yeah. and that is their that is their only impression of who they are or mm. you you catch somebody when they've just had enough when mm -hmm. they, when when their when their level is here and they've been being patient with you and patient with you and patient with you and then all of a sudden man let's say that person that normally gets seven hours of sleep only gets six that night and you say the wrong thing and they and it's just and everybody has a trigger uh, yeah man and, uh, and, and oftentimes i imagine that the people who instigate don't don't even realize that they're instigating for mm. one and then two refuse to take ownership of the fact that they were instigating when when I finally hit my limit and I start and I start being impatient with you, I'm going to speak for myself here. This is exactly what happens to me mm. is I stay patient. I stay patient. I stay patient. And the person that I'm staying patient with has no recollection of the fact that I'm being patient. And yep. then finally one day I'm, you know, like, recent instances my kid's been getting in trouble um riding the waves of being a business owner up and down and that shit takes its toll emotionally and i run out of patience and then all of a sudden i'm the bad guy yep <laughs> yes you're the bad guy it's a fact totally totally the bad guy it's a fact but and then then and then it that's like a catch 22 in itself because i would be playing the victim to be like well this person didn't realize how much they how often they were pushing my buttons and driving me up the wall and it, it's it's like a that's like one of those true lose lose situations like if you are trying so hard to be patient with somebody and then lose your shit and there's your your <laughs> your opportunities for ownership there it's like ah oh, you yeah. know i could have made it more obvious that i was expecting something right setting boundaries setting expectations i was having a and here's a good philosophy here's a philosophy on this a good point came up for me last night with a, a text i got from someone from a client and she had described a situation that she was in and and she asked me like um you know, what is it? Is it my self-worth or is it something that I'm doing wrong that this person treats me in this way? 
And my response was, was really simple. And have you ever guys heard the, the stoic philosophy of how you do anything is how you do everything. Have you guys heard that before? Heard that once or yeah. twice, once or twice. It's, it's in one of the daily stoic pages. I couldn't tell you which one anyway. Um, with that, with that thought in mind, right. Pick, imagine someone let's, let's say this like guy or, or a boss in a, at a job that, it's just constantly a dick to you, right? And for some reason, it's and you feel as if it's only to you. You imagine that it's that this person has a thing out, has a, something out for you. And in reality, right? That's a that's a disconnection from reality because we're projecting all that stuff. But but in reality, what's happening is that how that person treats you is is likely how that person treats everyone else in his life and and himself. Mm-hmm right? Basing off the, the, the concept of projection reflection, like what you put out into the world is what you put in. How you talk to people is how you talk to yourself. And because of that, he deserves my compassion. Because this person is treating me poorly and, and me knowing that, you know, he, he likes he likely treats himself like shit too he i bet he'd love to have someone show him compassion and treat him in a, in a way that's that's different from what he's used to you know what would change what would change in that scenario and the hard part is going from feeling victimized by a person to treating them compassionately it's really challenging i imagine it is i've done it <laughs> I also used to be that person, right? Treated myself poorly and treated others in the same way. Being judgmental or um, dismissive of things, right? There's little, very subtle things like one you said, the losing patience thing. What, you know, do you lose patience with yourself sometimes? Absolutely. I think... I know for me, being patient with myself is the hardest person in the whole world to be patient with. We all, once we, de- once we decide we want something, we want it as soon as possible. Yep. And, and, and especially for you know, people like us who pursue living extraordinary lives that you know, are full of positive influence and taking on challenges and stuff like that and and like when we when we set ourselves up for matt you like to go and climb mountains right i bet for you that leading up to those trips like you experience some moments of impatience uh for me uh um anticipation excitement yeah yeah yeah. i'm I'm taking i'm taking my kids uh to florida between christmas and new year's and they have no idea that's awesome and and it and and like that's one of those things where this is the time when i know something like that is coming up is where i tend to struggle with my patience towards myself the most Mm. because i lose my ability to stay present when i have something that exciting coming up and 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 that's that is truly all a loss of patience is is your inability to stay present. Hmm. 
something came came to mind with that and by the way does your ex-wife know you're taking them yes okay she 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 does <laughs> all right you gotta uh you gotta pack you gotta pack their shit and, and you're not gonna see them for a week <laughs> something came up uh yeah recently a conversation story working some something um you know that you know you know when you feel embarrassed right you ever feel you ever feel embarrassed there's a sensation that goes along with that like uh your face, the warmth in your face, and you feel flush, and your posture collapses, like that embarrassment feeling. And I, and I was hearing the word embarrassed and the sensation, and reading the words in the paper on the screen, and and looking at the story as a whole. And I, I and I look at the story and I laugh at it, mm. right? And I, I laugh because when when we when we when we look at the this concept of like embarrassment, it's a 10 out of 10 on the, on the like intensity scale of, of that sensation. Like, okay, what would be a four? Would a four be like the a level of embarrassment where you could just laugh at it and walk away? Mm-hmm. You ever have one of those like humility, right? That's, that's, that's essentially humility. Like, ha ha, I can laugh at myself. And this is also really, this is gonna be a funny story in a couple of years. Like, like these these kinds yeah, of emotions that we I was, yeah no definitely growing up I was a very very emotional child uh freshman year um when the flip phone was still around if you like hit the side of the button like it would either make like a noise if it went to sound or like vibrate or something like that and yeah. there was a rule in our high school that if your phone went off or whatever like the teacher would come over and take it or give it to you at the end of class and uh mine went off and it was just like a vibrate like it was in my pocket or whatever it was but I was just deathly scared of doing anything wrong getting embarrassed at all so like he comes over and takes it like he doesn't make a big deal about it but I was so embarrassed like I wasn't like bawling but like I started crying and he like he felt bad for me like he's like oh no like it's okay I just have to do it and for a very long time, I just didn't understand how to like control those emotions. And it was so much perspective of what people thought of me that 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 would make me cry. But that stuff happens now. Like it's not as big of a deal because one, I just figured out nobody really cares what anybody else is doing. Like <laughs> it, it's not not that big of a deal. I've <laughs> talked to so many old people and been around just so many elderly people. I'm like, how can you act so cool, calm, and whatever it is? It's because they've seen so much. They understand it really doesn't matter that much. Isn't it funny? Like, the older you get, the less give a fuck you have. Yes. Yeah. And and I think that comes from understanding because in high school, it's all about perspective. In college, you're hanging out with your buddies and whatever it is, and it doesn't really matter because you, you find a core group of people. And then at the time when you're moving on in life, you actually have like a core group of friends. You're not trying to impress those people. You're just enjoying life. And then you continue enjoying life and seeing what that's really like for, for most people, they just have an understanding that this is just where, where it is. You asked me before, Alex, what, uh, you know, what advice I would give as a, you know, new dad, mm-hmm. right. Just a couple months ahead of you. Um, and, you know, cause it's fresh, right? It, it is yep. it's pretty fresh. And I'm an old dad. 
Ron's an old dad, and and he can attest he can attest to this as well. We've also and we've had this conversation on the podcast too, similar. Um, and this is like this is the like a revelation thing that I've had in the past few months. Uh, raising my son and before that learning like because I read all the books I listened to all the podcasts and everything about um, child psychology about parenthood about relationships about um, childhood development and and man it's the first I want to say I'm going to go out on a limb here the first 25 years of a person's life is understanding their 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 emotions (laughs) Mm-hmm. understanding what what to do with with what just happened how to process it and then and then put it back out and and kids right babies especially what they feel the same things we feel and we have stories that we can tell to go along with them we have words to describe that feeling whereas a baby um, only has the ability to cry mm-hmm. They only have their autonomic nervous system that shakes spontaneously. They only have hyperventilation. And this happened, you know, I'm starting to see it now because my son is um, starting to, honestly, he's becoming a human. He's becoming a person now. He mm-hmm. has uh, he has like facial expressions that he can manipulate on his own. He can follow me with his eyes. He can finally breathe on his own, like mm-hmm. consciously, you know, take a deep breath. He can yawn when he wants to. He stretches and looks at his hands. And he wasn't able to do that at the beginning. And and I imagine, um, I can imagine the difficulty it is to be that, to be in that state, essentially a prisoner to um, everything around you, what's happening to your um your sensations your sudden bursts of emotion that are just hormone spikes that we know um and not having the ability to either describe those things or even or communicate it for that matter right mm-hmm. so i hear my son crying right and i and my and my mother or my mother-in-law are over and they're they're trying to shh him right quiet him and i said what if he's just telling you a story what if he wants you to be hurt Mm-hmm. what if he's expressing that uh he thinks you're funny and you're mm-hmm. telling him shh, 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 shh stop don't cry what what if everything's okay and he really wants attention yeah <laughs> at some point though like i i guess toddler years they can start interacting and creating words putting words to things you'll you could you know dive into this more ron like they start attaching words to something they're feeling like this hurts. I feel sad, right? That was fun, right? Identity to certain things. What if, right? We, we asked a lot of what ifs lately. What if we allow them to work through it work through their, their feelings, their emotions, so that when they're a teenager, they can work through that embarrassed feeling on their own. They know how to process it so that when they're 25 years old and all of a sudden they're buried in debt and they're looking for uh, validation from, from their parents for all the work they just did, or, you know, they're going out into the world and expecting to find a, a girlfriend or, um, or a job and they're having trouble interacting with that 
and and interacting with their own feelings and emotions what if we allow peep kids babies kids as you raise them to learn these things and, and come up with their own interpretations so that they know how to do it on their own mm -hmm. that's that's my uh no can, I, I i i totally agree <laughs> with that i i think the um you you learn your skills from your parents and my wife she learned from from her mother and if she did something wrong it was the silent treatment and like you did something wrong mm -hmm. you're, you're you're a bad person and she uh nanny nannied as well and when we started dating um it became hey like let's talk to the children why did it happen i'm not angry with you like let's figure it out and there was times of discussion and like oh you're upset with your sister like why are you upset all right and it turned to i think like the last year or two instead of them having to come to jessica you would see them out in the yard like one of them would be crying they'd gather themselves they'd take a couple of breaths and they'd say hey i'm upset because of this and then the sister or the brother would say hey i did it because i didn't mean to i just wanted this to happen and understanding once again that there was perspective and that they still love each other there would definitely be a hug um but i think the parents will internalize a lot of things and kind of project that on on the children project and take it personally yes. it also has to do with a lot of the protector instincts that mm -hmm. that we carry with us right mm -hmm. like those are our offspring and it is Absolutely. it's natural animal behavior in in some species not all species to protect their offspring uh, i for the most part um what i've seen of the human species though it's it's definitely natural to want to protect your offspring and it's a matter of realizing okay at what point in their life and it's going to vary it's going to vary different ages there's not going to be a way to say all right at six years old mm -hmm. you let them do what they they're going to do you let them yeah. figure it out it's going to vary um because of just brain development and maturity levels and stuff like that but at some point you've got to turn the protector off Mm -hmm. and uh, you know whether it be judging the severity of the situation okay i think they can figure this one out on their own okay oh shit something's on fire i gotta step in and protect like um you have a, a, a you know a litmus test for understanding like the severity and making a judgment call like do you have something you kind of weigh in your head when it's like okay now i need to step in man it's 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 all trial and error for me because i grew up you know the the more i look at my childhood i the more i realize i grew up without parents like yeah i had some people that took care of me but like the when i i first like the first six years of my life that i can remember i was with my gram and she was like helicopter parent and 
super overprotective. So I tried to defy everything and, and, and get away with whatever I could. And then after were you, were that, you successful or did you get in trouble a lot? Yes. And yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> does getting in trouble say that I wasn't successful? I mean, let's, <laughs> I mean, I still, yeah, you got, you got caught. <laughs> I still learned some shit. Let's be real. True. Um, and, and then after that, when I was living with my mom, it was more along the lines of, okay, she's there to make sure that I just stay alive. And, and like kind of figured everything out on my own for the most part. So when it comes to me as a dad, I'm still figuring out everything on my own. And, you know, um, I run into a lot of conflict with my wife because she was raised by both parents, like mom and dad are still together. And, and, and they did things a certain way. And she has experiences that I do not have. And when we run into some like situations that I might see as less serious than she does, we'll have disagreements on how they get handled. So as far as being able to judge things as they go, man, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. And, yeah. and I imagine that's how it is for most parents out there. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to forgive my mom for realizing that she was growing up while also being a mom. And I hope that it's a lot easier for my kids to forgive me when they realize that I was growing up <laughs> at the same time of being a dad. Um, and I am absolutely developing more patience in situations and recognizing that giving my children the opportunity to speak is, is, is extremely important. Like they're humans. You've, you've got to listen to them. I made one of the biggest mistakes of my life by when, when they did something air quoted wrong, they're just learning. It's not wrong to them. They're, they're learning, you know, what is acceptable and what's not. When they did something wrong, I would just chew them out or yell at them or, you know, or take something away and never actually have a conversation. And now my, my older two, my, my 15 year old and my 12 year old, they struggle to talk to me about serious stuff. Like, and you want to talk about pain when your 15 year old son won't tell you what's going on because he doesn't trust you because he's afraid of getting yelled at that hurts. And that's, that's what I'm experiencing right now. And I imagine that was all habitual learned. Oh, God, and, yes. And, and like, <laughs> you could be, you could be yelling and taking shit away and not even know why you're doing it i mean yep. i was the same with with like girlfriends when i was like 17 16 like like i thought that's how you handle that's how how relationships go because it's what i observed in my family tv all that stuff i mean there's no. that, <laughs> that, that there's the saying the apple doesn't fall far from the tree for a reason it's because we yeah. 
It's and it, saying that is the same thing as saying you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. Mm. Like those two, those two mantras are the same. And love it. So, how do you plan on remedying the situation with with your son and and improving that trust that he has? I'm learning to be patient. I'm learning to listen. I'm learning to give him the opportunity to speak about things that are less, less, I don't want to say less important because he's a 15 year old man. When you're old, almost everything is important because there's, because everything is so new, you know, you're, you're learning who you are. And then like you have your own interests and his interests and my interests are sometimes very similar, but man, sometimes he'll start talking to me about some stuff and I'll be like, I really don't know what he's talking about. That's when you get to be curious, play that curiosity game with him. And, and, um, and I had a great opportunity to do that with him on the ride home last night. Um, he was telling me about a movie that they watched in school that I never heard of. And I just asked questions. Funny. The thing that every single leadership book tells you to do <laughs> and who, who of all people should we be the biggest leaders to as our children. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, cool. What was the movie about? Oh, wow. That's interesting. What happened next? You know, and man, he talked to me the whole car ride home. And by showing him that I can listen to that Mm. and pay attention and like make it an active conversation. Yeah. All of which the things that we are trying to teach ourselves how to do. I can be hopeful in the future when something is important or on a higher level of importance that he'll be confident enough that he can communicate with me then. Do, do you um, think it, it's possible to have or run a successful business and be like on top of your game as a father? Because I, I see just families in general, since it's most families, there's both the mother and the father are working or the couples are working. I, I feel like that takes a toll on the, the parenting side of things. Yes. You have to be willing to relinquish control. You have Mm -hmm. to be willing to delegate. You have to be willing to transition yourself from being self-employed to being a real business owner to Mm -hmm. where, to where you create systems and you put people in charge that you can trust. And then when, when your attention is needed at the business, it's, needed in a more minimal manner. And when your attention is needed at home, you can tell the business, Hey, time the fuck out. I need to be a dad. I need to be a husband. I like, and, and dude, like, and this goes hand in hand, not just from parenting, but to being a partner as well. Like you have to be willing to shut work off Mm-hmm. to handle what's truly valuable in life. Dude, I could like my business could fail and I could go get a job. That's fine. My relationship with my kids, my relationship with my wife, 
I got to make sure that those, like, I, I got to make sure I'm changing the oil regularly. I got to make sure I'm filling mm-hmm. the gas tank regularly. Mm-hmm. Like, like. I found um, similar, similar to that, Ron, I found, and, and this is something my wife and I did right before our wedding. We wrote down, uh, we wrote down relationship goals, like how we wanted to go about our relationship, how we wanted to feel. And I found this paper the other day, two, it's been two years now over two years. I was there. Yeah, you were, yeah, you were. <laughs> uh, and I found this paper and she's in the, you know, she's in the, the kitchen and I'm looking through it and I'm like, Hey, let's go through these again. Like, uh, just check in, um, anything, see if there's anything we want to change. And, and, you know, sure as shit, every single one of the things on that list we do Habitu- awesome. now habitually habitually and now what I, I ended up doing i changed some words around i added some we added some things because now we have new goals we have a, a son um different lifestyle um created a, a vision statement for this for how we want our relationship to go and now it's it's out there mm-hmm. and every, and we're going to check in on this frequently very frequently and i took that from a business book something to do with your with your business partners or your team what was that seven habits of highly effective people was that the book no it was traction um but i know what you're referencing in seven habits yeah this was specifically uh, like traction outlines like a a planning process like you have your 10-year vision your your uh, three-year one-year goals quarterly rocks etc monthly things uh KR, you know, KR, KPIs, things you look at and, and like, okay, I, I apply that, the, the business model to, right. to my, to my family and, and wow, it worked. And I, I bring my, my values that I've created for my family into my business life. And a lot of people are, this is a projection. A lot of people are afraid about bringing work home, right. Or home life to work. And that's because there's something wrong with one of them, right? Yeah. There's something they don't like about it. What if you create the life you want at home based on values, based on goals of vision. And that ties into how, how, who you are at work. Mm -hmm. And what if the way you act at work is exactly the way you would act with your kids and your wife Mm -hmm. and your family? And so what ends up happening is there's this understanding. There's a, we, we create the environment we want around us all the time. And we're able to shift our quote unquote identity from parent, husband, family man, coach, business owner, leader, when necessary. Use, use those as tools rather than rules. Like I'm at work, so I have to be at work, mm-hmm. right? Or it could be in this minute, in this moment, I can be what I need to be. And that's, that, that, that's what I found is allows, allows me to say two years later, like, hey, we're still on track for these goals. What, what, are, what are some values you have, man? Like, think, think about those things. What are the values you want to, have, you want to be present in your life, work I would or say, not, or home? I would say my values... Um, things that I would like to be is 
um, trustworthy to uh, myself. If anybody asks me to do something, like my wife or friends or whatever, like I'm gonna go do it. Like there's a sense of uh, not many excuses are gonna get, get get in the way of me doing those things. But if I tell myself something like, oh, hey, we're gonna do this. And especially if it's like a long down, like long down the line, like it's gonna be hard for me to uh, keep up with myself just cause I'll be putting others forward or putting others first, but gotta fill my own cup. So that's a, that's a value that I'm working on. Um, but I would say understanding uh, and not always having the right answers. And my wife has taught me this is it doesn't matter uh, if I can fix the problem what I think the problem is, sometimes it's just listening and understanding and, and that will do enough. Um, but as far as raising children or just helping influencing friends or people, um, I believe letting them believe that they can do it and somehow showing that uh, is a value of mine that I would like to be able to improve upon. What I'm hearing is in, is integrity with with yourself and with everyone. Mm -hmm. I love it. What I hear from Ron is family. Like one of his main values is is family, being mm -hmm. a family man. It's like you said. It's like you guys said earlier about the older we get, you know, you you, you stop caring about the things that hold lesser value mm -hmm. it's not a it's not a matter of you stop giving a fuck like because you still give a fuck but you just feel you you give a fuck about what's important what's truly yeah truly important you know and it's it's like it, you know we can make that connection to our teenage years and being like Oh man, it's important to have new shoes. It's important to have a nice jacket. It's in, it, you know, back back then you were cool if you had a pager. I know I'm uh, you two youngins are, are a little uh, not. I heard about of, those. You well, heard about I, those. I, I right? had a I had a beeper when I was young. Yeah. Uh, so like, <laughs> believe you know, God damn, I'm so, so close. Like I'm. I'm about to turn 39 in February. Like, and I remember as a kid that I thought that this mm -hmm. was old. And now at this age, like, I, especially living a healthy lifestyle, I feel better than I did when I was 17 mentally. I got, you know, I have some nagging injuries. So physically, sometimes not, not so much, but mentally. Yeah mentally and awareness like that's something that we lack mm. in our youth is self-awareness like it, and 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 that's why we struggle so much in those years is because we're trying to figure out who the fuck we are and you don't have values because uh, unless you were unless you were born to a great set of parents that have values right you, that communicated you, it yeah that that commun that understood the importance of it and communicated it and everybody lived. has values it's right. just a matter of yeah getting it out there yeah th that shared those things with you 
you struggle to figure out who you are. It's why it's in my opinion, it's why so many uh, early twenties marriages come to an end. It's why. So it's why so many um, it's why we see so many people in careers that just contemplate taking the exit ramp rather than going and getting a new job. Like it's, it's scary, man, to, to think about how many people, A, haven't set their values in place, and B, choose to not live their life by those values. What would you, let's, 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 play, a, let's play a game, visualization game, 17-year-old you, 40-year-old 40, 40 you comes up to 17-year-old you and says, hey, man. In uh, 23 years, you're going to be a badass. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to feel good all the time. <laughs> or you're going to know what, how to deal with this, right? Compared to what you were actually told at 17. What would, what would you, how would you react to that? What would, your, what would go through your mind? What does go through your mind? So I imagine the situation would be me actually realizing that it was my older self talking to myself, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because if it was just, if I didn't know who it was, I'd be like, yeah, fuck off old man. Um, but okay. So it's, Hey, I'm here from the future. And I'm here to tell you that when you're close to 40 years old, life is pretty awesome. So everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I imagine like similar to what Alex said, man, I was very emotional. I still am. Mm -hmm. And I, I imagine that that situation would, would confuse you, confuse me, maybe bring me some relief because dude, 17 was like, yeah. that was a tough, tough time of my life. 15 to 15 to 19 was extremely tough. And And I imagine that I would um, like probably cry real hard, have some, how it, if it was believable, I would have some relief and damn dude, that could, that could set the course of your life in a completely, completely different manner, which is why it's important for us to do that for our kids and be like, you know, like, it's important for us to work for a life that's worth living so we can tell our kids that, hey, life is worth living. You know, whether you're, whether you're a factory worker who lives for the weekends, make sure you enjoy what you're doing. And like, yeah, if, if, go, if, if your job isn't the best and it sucks a little bit, like, sh like leave that at the door as best as you can. So you can, you know, make life enjoyable when you're home. That's dude, like make life enjoyable when you're home. No matter what the circumstances is, if you have the best job in the world or the worst job in the world, make sure life is enjoyable when you're home. So does the job and worst job, can they be the same job, but it's just the perspective of the person? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
We, we go back to the, the story Ron tells all the time about the McDonald's worker who sells coffee. And oh my God, she's great. Ron tells the story all the time. Yeah. <laughs> she's the best. Well, I, to McDonald's, can I take your order? She's so happy. <laughs> I used to work at, I used to work at, at UPS, like throwing boxes into trucks and loading up boxes. This was a, uh, a, a seasonal thing I did um, when I was in between businesses and, and man, there were some people there that were absolutely miserable and that, you know, that we had a 10 minute break and they were always, they were late, always a minute late from that 10 minute break, exactly a minute smelling like cigarettes and, uh, and complaining about their boss. And, and then there were other people who were singing the whole time, you know, on their feet, dancing and singing for five, six hours straight. And I remember like watching these two things. And this was also the time where I was like diving into every podcast I could possibly find. Yeah. And um, and I'm listening to like Tony Robbins and uh, <laughs> uh, Mark Devine and and like all these other great great like great mindset people and and I'm realizing like man everyone's different and it's about perspective like like I'm here um, and and I'm not thrilled about the job it's it pays too little and I know I can I'm worth more but right now it you know I'm doing it and it's fine. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do the best I can. And then there's the guy next to me who's like supporting three kids. So this is his third job of the day and is working overnight and he's got another job to go to after. And there's the guy that hates it. Right. Who's just miserable and complaining. And then there's the guy who loves it. So like everyone's a little different. The job is the same, though. Right. For everyone, it's the same thing. We're all just thinking about it differently. And I wonder you, you brought up something really interesting, Ron, like, um, you know, have fun make it fun when you're home, like enjoy, make it enjoyable when you are home. And, uh, and that's, that's how do you leave something at, you know, at the door? How do you leave that? Uh, when you, when you're that unhappy or that like miserable, let's say, if you could go really like dark, like at work, how do you leave that at home? Uh, or vice versa, right? How could you be so happy at work when your home life is so uh, difficult for you? How do you create the separation when it's not something you've learned, right? When you, when your, so, your perspective, your story, <clears throat> going back to what Alex brought up in the very beginning of this that you missed Ron, by the way, you weren't here. I'll catch up. I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll listen. I'll definitely listen. So, we're going to pause here for a moment and I'd like to tell you about an upcoming event hosted by your best friends from Mind, Heart, Muscle. We're bringing it back, ladies and gentlemen. The Day of Discomfort is happening again. If you were uh, listening, if you were listeners, followers last year around uh, around this time, we were talking about and then hosted our first ever live event, the Day of Discomfort. This was a one day event, and it is a one day event still at Tried and True. That is Ron's gym in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and man, it's an amazing event. If you are looking to challenge yourself, get outside of your comfort zone and give yourself an opportunity to express 
all of the things that you know will help you make you a better leader, a better parent, a better friend, a better um, exerciser. We're going to do a workout that will challenge you in many ways from physical um, discomfort, that kind of challenge, to the mental um, discomforts where you are both working through something that is difficult, where you may feel the the desire to quit. Um, And also, it will challenge you to question some of the beliefs and the fears you have. And luckily, it's a workout that anybody can do. And because we are expert fitness coaches, we'll make sure you are doing what's just right so you feel what we are intending. And that is to get an awesome workout in a great community and be able to put yourself into a state of mind where you're able to think. And that will lead us to the rest of the day where we have challenges and activities that um, encourage teamwork, leadership, support from your community, and vulnerability. That's what it's all about. Getting into an uncomfortable zone leaves you vulnerable. And it is in those vulnerable moments where you can make and create the most amount of change and the most amount of growth. So join us this year, April 3rd, for the Day of Discomfort. For information on this, you will visit mysummit.academy and click on the link for Day of Discomfort. Get yourself signed up. Get a friend signed up. And uh, we'll see you there. Now back to the show. Where does the perspective come from without having a coach? So the the whole without having a coach. Wow. Um, so I, I didn't have a coach. I, yeah. you know, um, I stumbled upon a Twitter account over 10 years ago called pma all day and if you're unfamiliar with what pma is it's positive mental attitude which is transitioned into mindset work um Mm -hmm. i heard i'm pretty confident it was adam chin referencing that on his episode with kyle on the kyle kingsbury show um and and i started following that account and it was ran by it was ran by uh um, a hardcore music fan, which at the time that was like one of the most dominant influences in my life was the hardcore music scene. And, and then I started paying attention to lyrics of some of my favorite bands. And I was like, man, these guys are talking about having strong relationships with their friends. Um, like, keeping a good attitude when shit gets bad. I was like, this is really cool to me. And a couple of years ago, I went on like a hundred day stint where I wrote, um, I posted three times a day on my Instagram. And one of the posts that I wrote was called practice positivity. And I don't remember it word for word, but I can tell you that it was about the fact that like any thing that needs to be learned the ability to be positive is a practice it it takes reps 
it takes it takes recognizing that hey this situation's out of my control and the only thing right now that i can do is choose my reaction to it mm-hmm. and and are you going to fail <laughs> a thousand times over mm-hmm. are you going to overreact a thousand times over slowly and surely you're going as long as you make it a priority you're going to be able to what happened at work today doesn't matter my kids need me or "Ah, that little argument that happened at home today it'll blow over i gotta do my job so i can provide for my family it's a it's going to be a matter of the person that we're speaking about making the the choice to choose to react in a way that supports them, them in that moment yeah makes them makes them feel better carries themselves with a lighter mood yeah supports them in that mm-hmm. moment that's a great way of saying it you know because if if I were to come home after a shit day at work and take that out of my wife and kids. And then my wife and kids treat me like shit. Cause I treated them like shit. Then I'm just going to go back to work and have another shit day at work. Like the, the cycle's got to break somewhere and it breaks with you, with me. It breaks with Matt. It breaks with Alex. It, like mm-hmm. it, it's, it usually it's a, breaks pretty dramatically too. When it, when it happens and you're in that, that loop. I, the the end of my first marriage was dramatic like and and that was that was a cognitive shift in my life and you know some sometimes lessons have to be learned the hard way Mm -hmm. so going back to the 17 year old talking to or the the 39 year old talking to the 17 year old do you think you would be able to say anything that would resonate or get them to change the way they think, or would it have to be something that they saw? Because my, my mother would always say, Hey, my grandpa never had a job that he didn't like. I'm like, okay, great. Cool story. I don't know why I never saw it. I never wanted to emulate whatever it was he had going on because I didn't get to experience that whatever it is other than just she said do this because of that and so and so did that so i have a hard time with telling people to do things or having i have a hard time having success (laughs) with just telling people to do things or think a certain way so how do you see yourself having that kind of effect so let's think about something here for a second what does it take for us to get a client to do what we want them to do? Trust. Do our parents actually have to build trust with us? I would say that uh, the best example I was given was there's a vase and you're putting in pieces of rice building that trust building that trust but as soon as you break the vase it's going to be hard to kind of build that back up again right and i i feel like there's a sense of entitlement to parent that to parenthood and it's Mm -hmm. like 
And, and we often hear parents say, why won't they listen to me? And it comes back to what I said earlier is you have to be able to listen to them. You like at a certain point of a human being's life, they start to develop the ability to look at things and be curious and start asking questions. And if, if we constantly reply, which I was incredibly guilty of, if we constantly reply with, because I said so, because it's what I told you to do. Well, guess what? They're going to stop listening. They're, Defi- they're, defiance sets in. Yeah. They're, Tr- they're disbelief. Gonna, they're going to not trust you. Um, yeah. They'll go, well, Hey, you know, my, my friend, Bill, Billy, you know, his dad said he could do it and he's doing okay. Like he, he's, he's not hurt. Right. He's not in trouble. Like why, why can't I do it? Right. Well, they're, I remember having a conversation with my mom one day in the kitchen uh, because I was that child that always asked why instead of just doing it. Um, I, I was like, hey, like, can you give me a time in which just do it is a proper response? Like, why can't I understand? Um, I was a little shit growing up because um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I knew all and um, there were certain circumstances where it's like, hey, if you're in the middle of the road or if it's like something serious in which you just need to go and do or whatever it is. Um, but she had a difficult time with, with just saying just because um, and other than the time restraint of like in case of injury there wasn't that good of a response that she was able to come up with of just because so that would work in uh yeah like if if you don't do this you're probably gonna get hurt Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's where you know that's like that's that sits well and it's and it's very obvious as to the what the why is right if Mm -hmm. you say do it because i said so and the, the why is staring you in the face, then yeah, you're going to maintain the trust. Well, and, and I, I would have loved, like this would have helped me so much more as a child is if she said, sometimes I'm just emotionally drained. I don't want to deal with it. At a later point, we can talk about it. And I would have been like, what do you, you have emotions? What do you mean? Like you're, you're the mom, <laughs> you're the hero. Like you can, you handle all. You're, yeah, as I as my wife says, she's just she's just the milk machine. <laughs> yeah, I've, she, I've she's the dairy my, farm. Like that's her. That's the only thing. <laughs> I have found myself recently getting more vulnerable with my children. Like mm-hmm. when when my my nine year old can read me like a book, dude. She knows when dad is not okay. Yeah, that's, and that's great, man. Dude, that's, it's, that's it is. Awesome. It's it's absolutely awesome. And when she asks me if I'm okay, I'm not afraid to tell her no. You know, I'm I'm not okay right now. And if she asks me why, I try to come up with an explanation that she understands, or I'll tell her that, you, you know, honey, it's it's for reasons that you might not understand. Can like, like can can we just snuggle on the couch and know that you're going to make me feel better right now? And, and then she's all, she's for it, you know? Um, 
and I, I wanted to come to something, an, exp, an experience that I had with her last night, because it's very fitting um, to this conversation. Uh, the, the boys were roughhousing in the kitchen and my daughter laughed at uh, her stepbrother. So her stepbrother got butt hurt by it and went chasing after her and like I imagine gripped her up and and my night my Zoe she she bit him and like and broke skin a little bit and and we ended up having a conversation and she she started crying and started like making these statements about not being able to control her anger she didn't say it in those words the words that she said was saying that like she doesn't understand how to stop those kind of things from happening because she feels like she loses control. And, and like, I wish I would have had a recording of the conversation that happened because um, I, I empathized with her and, Uh and I explained to her that, I know it's hard to, to control your reactions when, when you're angry and, and, and and you have to understand that biting is completely unacceptable. Like there's, I said, I said, when you start to get mad like that, like that's when you need to come and get me, you know? And I said, it's also very important to, you know, be nice to people, to be kind to people, because being a human being is hard. And if you're a shitty human being, you're just making it harder for other human beings who are struggling mm-hmm. as it is. So that's why, like, that's what I was telling her. And I was like, you, that's why it's so important to just, you know, be a good human. And good humans don't bite. <laughs> good well, humans it, don't bite. It, it, it's, it's definitely tough for depends. For kids. That depends. That's subjective, Ron. And, and humans in general, environmental, they're, they're going to hold their stress in their teeth. So that's a reason why a lot of kids bite or in their jaw because that's how mm-hmm. they're releasing it. That's how they're dealing with the stress. Um, but if if you if you see a lot of kids biting, that's because that that's how they do it. That's their coping mechanism to get the stress out of their jaw is, is to bite whatever possibly is causing that stress or the, the buildup of stress. And if we think about it, like animals, cause human beings are animals. Like what do dogs do? They bite. What do mm-hmm. cats do? They bite. Like, like it's a, I imagine that biting is autonomic. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, it could potentially be something that is done without thought well it is i watched my you know with my three-month-old son put his hand in his mouth for no reason and then when they are six months or so they're going to start putting everything in their mouth because that's how they can experience it they interact with it and so like yeah autonomic it develops in those early years even they're not present like they're not really uh what's the word they're conscious but they're not um they're voluntary they're, they're, it's not voluntary it's uh they're not really sure of like as to why they're doing it they're just doing it right that doesn't happen until like 
two, three. Mm-hmm. So they're doing these things to, uh, to understand like, oh, this is a thing. What do I do with things? <laughs> I usually do this with things. And sometimes I'll do this with things. I'll throw it. And sometimes I'll, I'll bang it on the table. And sometimes we'll sh- I'll shake it. <laughs> and sometimes I'll claw at it because uh, it's what they can do, right? Mm-hmm. They can't ask about it and say, hey, mom, what's this thing? So they're going to bite it autonomic right these get these get built into our system yeah so that when uh and and hey how how our uh, emotions memory and memories work listen to that last huberman podcast about fear it's incredible understanding how how fear systems get created they get tied to events that that are quote unquote traumatic which is just a all trauma is is a bump in the timeline it's a an event that we remember that has an impact. So like, Hey, you tie in that time that your four month old kid was had, was putting something in his mouth and you yelled at him to take that out of your mouth. And they, and the kid felt a, a thing, right. Felt this like shock of fear. And then now all of a sudden when they're nine and they get a shock of fear, they put something in their mouth, mm-hmm. right? These things get tied in together, myelination. So is it helpful then to continually tell kids or talk about um, what they need to do, what they shouldn't do, things like that, or just let them experience things like, like, hey, biting's not good, okay? But I do it anyway. Like, what is good? How do I deal with this? Man, wild conversation. I think I think the way that I'm gonna try to approach the, the parenting is, um, like I said before, and figuring out why why people do things. Um, most things that kids are not going to do, one is not going to make them a bad person, but two, I can tell them, hey, you should or should not do this, and unless once again the instance is don't go into the street. Yes, I might yell at you or yank you back or whatever it is, but most things, they're a scientist and they're going to learn by being a scientist in life and learning how to interpret that data is going to be what I try to do best for them Mm. because my emotion is not going to help them at all in any of their situations because there is no, they're not interested in that. That doesn't my emotion can only add in a positive way to or I would like it to only add to their answer rather than take away from their experience. And I think if I'm always yanking them back or saying, oh, that's wrong, we don't do that. I think that doesn't, it's hard for me to see the teaching at that point mm-hmm. or helping them interpret the, the information. I, I, I like the idea of the experiment and I imagine what would be super valuable there is like presenting them with this, this opportunity, like crossing the street, for example, and you could tell them, Hey, you have, you, you have these options, like option a, you can cross whenever you want. Right. But here's what could happen if you decide to cross whenever you want. Right. right here here's the possibilities here's a video <laughs> yeah um, and then there's option b we could we could wait right uh and here's what could happen if you wait for the light to change or 
um, for me to, to, to walk and, and you follow. And then there's option C is we could, we could turn around and go get ice cream. Right. So, and then, and then let them think process and say, well, yeah. I do like ice cream and I don't want to die. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a thought for parents that Alex just brought up and he said, my emotion can hopefully make the situation better right my emotional reaction to my child's emotional reaction can 100% hinder the situation so if if my kids having a full blown meltdown Am I going to improve the situation by screaming? Calm down. Stop crying. Is that really going to make things better? Or is a calm conversation with me being mindful of my heart rate and my breathing patterns and asking the right questions and leaving as much emotion out of it as possible, could that make it better? Yeah, no, it, it's very looking at it and and hearing it and putting it into practice, I, it, I think will be enjoyable mm -hmm. to, to do. I'm going to use the restroom real quick, but you guys <laughs> keep going. You got it. <laughs> On the topic of emotion, Ron, that and that that concept of emotion, <laughs> that concept of emotion is like uh, what what Alex said about putting like how emotion can add positivity to the experience, right? The environment, um, and knowing emotion, like it's your description of a, of an emotion is only yours. And your and how you understand it. So like your my, my anger and your anger are different things. Like we completely different things. Although we can use the same word for it. It's a it, it's there's a word for this for one word to have two meanings. But that's that's really what it is. So you can place your like oh, I'm so angry about this and and put that in, out out there into the environment and and lo and behold it, it's it's uh, it's useless you know, in a lot of ways. And what you're mad about and how you feel mad about it is going to be completely different than what I'm mad about or how I feel when I'm mad about something. Right. It's irrelevant because it's, it's your story of that thing. I went to uh, yesterday, went to a, a wake with my mother for a friend of hers who passed away recent last week. Um, you know, young guy, old, a good friend. And, and my mom is very emotional, especially when it comes to death. Um, as she gets older, you know, the fear sets in all her friends are not all of her friends. A lot of her friends from childhood are, are sick or mm -hmm. passing away. And, and where she's at, where my mother is at is in, uh, you know, she's talking to me and we're sitting in, in this funeral home and uh and she's describing um you know she's telling a story of like what she thinks happened and 
and why this this is so terrible and how uh, she can't believe it. And, and the you know, people are being taken away from her. And, you know, knowing like I, I'm listening to her and I'm like, well, that's that's only your that's like you're just believing this. It's everything's going to be OK. What I say doesn't matter in that moment. It's not going to change how she actually feels. And there was a really, I, I got this like moment of realization yesterday. Like, you know, I'm sitting here with my mom. She's really upset. I can tell that I can, I can see that. Will me adding my story going to change what she believes or will me listening uh, is me listening, going to help her process what she believes, mm-hmm. which, which one of those is going to be the most valuable thing I can do. And obviously it's the listening piece. Like, like I can express, yeah, I'm also upset. This is, this is difficult. We both process things differently. And I can also keep, get her to keep talking, keep, Mm -hmm. get her to get her to dig a little more and ask more, ask specific questions, even though it's about this morbid topic, like her friend younger than her just, just passed away. The family's all around all the kids, all the, you know, how are they going to go on? They're so young. Yeah. How, so I ask, Hey mom, you know, how would you feel? Um, if you were that wife, what would go through your mind and get her to work through this? Cause none of that is my story or my emotion on top of it. Cause it's my subjective experience to this thing we call, we call life, but ask her, ask her, Right. And ask, like, ask our clients and ask our friends um, to describe more like what it is they're feeling, because I bet, you know, kids too, how often does someone actually ask you to describe what you're feeling mm-hmm. or, Hey, where, where are your, where, what are you feeling right now in your body? Where do you feel that? Where does that take you? How's your breathing right now? <laughs> <laughs> Man, this stuff is so applicable. I love it. Alex, what's uh, talk to us about your coaching right now, end of 2021 going into 2022. What's, what's your coaching been like in the last year or so or recent Um, months? And then what's the, what's the future of, uh, of light bulb like? For for sure. The, my coaching um, used to be, uh, Hey, here's the plan. You stick to it. Uh, and it was like a 70, 30 split of the people would listen to it. They'd do great. They'd be hitting the goals that we set out. So on and so forth. Um, I wasn't doing a whole bunch of coaching. <laughs> I was just, uh, giving them a program and they were following. I was like, okay, that's great. And then I had this 30% of people and I was really confused on like what was going on. Like for me, I would get a program. I'd go into my gym I'd do whatever that was. I'd be like, okay, great. Like I'm going to be hitting my goals, so on and so forth. Um, but then there, there was this disconnect of, oh, sorry, I, I didn't do this today. Or the runaround of, oh, well, I didn't get to it and I'll do it next time and so on and so forth. Um, so I really started diving in with the people that were struggling more. Um, for some reason, I wanted more of a challenge. <laughs> Uh, But a lot of my coaching now has gone towards story work, because if you can understand why you're not doing something, 
um, then figure out how to actually write goals, set goals and get them done. It doesn't matter what plan you're going to follow. As long as you set a goal, you're, you're going to hit it. Um, so for me, it's been really trying to dial in uh, that strategy, uh, what specifically I'm saying, what questions I'm asking. No one's the same when it comes to story work, uh, which makes it so exciting. Um, but that's that's where I'm really pushing a lot of a lot of my effort right now. Now your coaching is it to what what problems are you solving specifically? Is it uh, fitness, nutrition, habits, lifestyle? Yeah, what, what's so, your so, like main thing that so your clients usually, do? Usually it comes in and says, "Hey, I, I'd like to lose weight or so on and so forth." And then um, since doing my podcast, uh, I've I've asked I think ninety seven people. Uh, what's your definition of health? And at no point did anybody ever say being this amount of weight or losing this amount of weight. So when I'm talking to my clients, I'm like, all right, other than that weight goal, what are we going to be looking for? Because at no point in, in doing the podcast, unless you're like a bikini competitor or like a, a model or whatever it is, like you need to hit those numbers, having that ar arbitrary weight goal is not working. So we figure out what other goals you have and then figure out how to meet those goals. So you don't need a number 10 of motivation. Um, and a lot of my earlier coaching evolved around uh, BJ Fogg's um, habits, uh, how, what creates a habit or what creates an action. And it was dependent on the skill level needed for that action. Say it's a 10 level skill, like it's incredibly hard to do. You're going to need a 10 level of motivation to get it done. But say we're two weeks after New Year's, you're not going to have that 10 level motivation anymore. So what I like to do with my clients is identify the skills and either improve that skill or figure out what we can do with the motivation and that's more or less how we move forward uh, with that. Mm, meeting the client, meeting the person where they're at. Yeah. And helping them, get, giving them like a gauge too, to understand where they actually are and mm -hmm. what, they, what they can do with what they have. That's really cool. The, the knowing like where you are in the motivation scale and seeing, okay, now with this amount, like I can still be productive. Is that, is that kind of where you're taking? Yeah. So yeah. like if you walk into a room and it's dark and you want the light bulb to be turned on, okay, yes, it, it's, I'm going to be helpful by uh, installing that light switch instead of you having to go to Ace Hardware, figure out what wattage, figuring out the light you want, bringing it in and pu putting that light bulb in. My job is to make it so the skill level you need is not as high. So then you don't consistently need high motivation because most people are doing things that are either routines or habits. And it, it's tough to, to kind of stay on uh, with a high level of motivation for a long time. Mm. Do you imagine that, that, mo that a lot of people, um, and you could weigh in on this too, Ron, a lot of people um, try to do things at a higher skill level than they're actually, um, that are, then, then that are actually necessary to get the results they're looking for. Like that, that light bulb example, like trying to in, install the, the light fixture when all they need to be able to do is turn is flip a switch. 
I, I think that people have an understanding that is incorrect on what it takes to reach their goals. Therefore, it is that 1% of people that they saw on Instagram that re reached their goals in 90 days or their friend that was incredibly dedicated for a year, even though it took them 27 years to get to that point in their life. I think the information that people have is quite misleading. Therefore, they think they have a certain path that they have to follow that they fail and fail consistently on. I think there's also a very large misunderstanding of the fact that you have to continue to work for something once you achieve it to be able to keep it. And there is a lot of people that think that they can just do something for a short period of time, learn how to do it, accomplish something, and then, and then go back to their old habits and stuff like that and expect things are going to stay the same to all the stuff that they had just worked for. So it's, it's a, it's, it's making that transition from this isn't just a thing that I'm doing. This is who I am now. This is how I live my life. Yeah. You know, there, there are certain things that we can tack on to our identity that are beneficial to us, you know, and, and as long as, as long as those things are good for you, yeah, then, then I think it's okay. What, good for you in the moment. Good for yeah. you when, when necessary. What are the bare minimums that you think I, I've, I, I've asked a lot of people. And so I think for like the army, they have a, a physical test, so on and so forth. And for school, you have X amount of tests and whatnot. Um, do you have any minimum requirements that you think most people should be able to do physically and physically and mentally you said so so when it comes to mentally i think to be yeah. able to push yourself to yeah. either to read to deal with the hard issue to improve hmm. a relationship um because i i think obviously mentally or physically i think there should be a certain amount of either uh, distance you can walk or stand or squat or push up or pull up or have a certain amount of heart rate or whatever it is. Um, but do you guys have like a certain minimum like abilities that people should have? Interesting. Uh, so here's, here's the answer. No one wants to hear people are different. Yep. Right. And For sure. And, and given that, with that said, right, there are, there are, um, there's definitely things you, you could do that I, I imagine most people are capable of yeah. with, with a, with bare minimum practice and, 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 uh, habit forming that will benefit them in the moment. Right. And, and people are different, um, in that they're going to encounter everyone encounters the same experiences at just at different points in their lifetime. So are you, can you be ready for certain things to happen? Right. What, what are some things that commonly come up? We need to get up off the floor after we've fallen. <laughs> I was okay. going to say that. Cool. So make sure you can do a burpee. Make sure you can, make sure you can squat. We need to bend down and pick shit up. 
right? We need to be able to reach things, reach up overhead. We need, we need to be able to, to throw and catch and, and, and know where our hand is in space, like general, general physical preparedness, AKA CrossFit, right? <laughs> and, and when I say that, and like I, you know, CrossFit can be elite functional fitness and, and, and whatever, it could also be the ability to get up off the floor, pick something up, right? Move from side to side, balance on one leg, uh, stand and reach, whatever. Um, repeat five times. Re- yeah, yeah. There's something that's <laughs> something you can, you can do repeatedly um, that it, that's going to benefit you in the long run. Yeah. So bare, bare minimum for physical, um, physical preparedness. Now that that's, that's yeah. just preparedness, but, but is that, is that healthy too, right? Are we getting health out of being out of that preparedness? And Yes, if we're practicing it, because ah, yeah. because by, by by definition, right of and, and looking at the the genius of of what happened with with CrossFit over the years, and uh, by definition, the as we repeat, we improve. Mm-hmm. We're going to now in, in increase our capacity over time, over yeah. a variable amount of times, and, and with di- doing different things. So, so the bare minimum things are, are that, right? Balance, uh, being able to stand on one leg, being able to get, get up off the floor, being able to reach up over your head uh, without complaining. And that's the mindset part. Uh, and then the mindset part, I imagine uh, things, that, things that come up in life is uh, you, have to have, you have to know how to choose. You have to know how to make choices for yourself. Yeah. Um, a, a good skill to have is, is a decision-making process for yourself. A good skill to have is um, with mindset is um, reflection, right? Being able to look back on something and learn yeah. from it. And, and those, those two things alone, I imagine are bare minimum. Like you can, you're going to make it as a person right. in society. Mm-hmm. So uh, to, to the, to the CrossFit point, do you think that, there is a better or additional movement practice that that you could add to that to improve on it because i i coached and still do crossfit um but i once you get a crossfitter out of the gym to do like at or sports or athletics and sometimes you can tell the the person that's been in the gym and then the person that plays sports do you think it's more important to be um athletic or uh fit as far as crossfit goes well that's a that's a really good question um and we could we could go into a whole episode about (laughs) honestly like yeah i've studied crossfit for for the last decade studied that shit right um so what you what you're describing is a disconnection between what the purpose of this, of that program is and what, what we see day to day in the gyms, Mm -hmm. because if you, and I have this on the wall in in our gym, um, CrossFit in 100 words or fitness in 100 words, all the way at the bottom, unfortunately is regularly play and learn new sports. Mm -hmm. That is, that is part of CrossFit. And, um, I could pull it up. I, I don't know where it is, but I, I think it's, is it Ben Bergeron's? 
Uh, actually, funny enough, the last no, that's Glassman that wrote that. Glassman oh, wrote okay. that. But but a couple of a couple of years ago, and I, I shared this once on a on the podcast. Uh, um, I was I was writing a bunch, um, my interpretations of these things of fitness, creating these new concepts around fitness and health and mental health. And my definition of fitness was simply as play, right? The ability to play. Yeah. And, and I, I find that that gets lost in the gym setting. So yes, you're right. Like you can tell who's been in the gym and who's an athlete, like been in right. athletics, quote unquote. And then you could also tell, right. When a person has taken um, the principles of like what we really do in CrossFit yeah, um, or what is what, what, what's aimed at in CrossFit and apply it to the, to life. And, and it goes beyond um, the nine foundational movements, right? The squats, mm -hmm. deadlifts, and presses. Um, and it goes beyond the, the, the fancy gymnastics movements and all that stuff. And unfortunately, a lot of coaches end their education at that. Yeah. When there's uh, you know, thousands of other functional movements that we could create and imagine. There's this morning I was teaching uh, or I was coaching um, a one-on-one -on -one client in, in the gym, right. Using the CrossFit methodology, but we, but our strength, quote unquote, strength work for today that, that we, what we were doing was standing on one leg while holding a, a kettlebell. Love it. And, and like that, this is a 50, a 60 something year old man whose only yeah. goal is to, is to not end up like his parents who he needs to pick up. Right. Yeah. So, so that's, it, it's understanding and widening your scope. Mm -hmm. right as far as adding movement practices like okay yeah just find new things that that feel good and replicate what you do in everyday life yeah and then add that in do it do it in varied amounts you know sometimes mm -hmm. play, no, bas I, I, play basketball once in a while that that was the best response that i've gotten via crossfit versus other methodologies i i, I like that a lot awesome Thank so you. as, as far as, cause I played a lot of video games <laughs> yeah. uh, and I always really liked leveling up a character. So hmm. I think of like, Hey, my speed is at a seven, my cardio is at this, so on and so forth. Um, do you think that, uh, what's the best way to improve the mentality aspect? Um, hmm. if we were leveling up our character, the, improve the mentality as as, aspect yeah as far as like one specific are you looking for like one specific thought process that that like if 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 everyone adapted to it right now they would level up yeah let's 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 take a broad broad, broad brush stroke i'm 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 gonna say that it's the acknowledgement of our mortality okay Ooh. Uh, and and I was I actually wanted to, to answer your, your question earlier about yeah. the 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 bare minimum of 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 fitness and mindset. And it's funny is like um, I was 100 percent going to say being able to get up and down off the ground without assistance. That's that's huge. You should be able to either from the prone position or the supinated position, be able to get up and down off the ground without grabbing a hold of a chair or anything. Like yeah. You should be able to do that with full motor control. Um, you should be able to walk up a flight, what a flight of stairs without getting winded. You should be able to, uh, you should be able to walk for like 20 minutes without 
without needing to take a break. You know, yeah. like we're talking bare minimum, right? You should be able to sit down to a chair and stand up without using your hands five times. Like mm-hmm. th- this is bare. And I like, and, and and I wouldn't have thought about reaching overhead, but I liked what Matt said about you know you should probably be able to put shit up on a high shelf as well um without resistance while standing on one leg and like (laughs) holding something yeah (laughs) legitimate things that occur you know but when it comes when it comes to how to improve your mindset there is a you know what do we hear all the gurus talk about gratitude Mm -hmm. right um and and that's such a broad statement Right. It's it's it gratitude is is simply, you know, being thankful for the moment, being thankful for what you have, you know, just appreciating uh, appreciating where you are and and still and still being able to want more, but and but appreciating where you are. Mm-hmm. And where where I have found the most gratitude is in the acknowledgement that my life is going to end. And that is the biggest motivator for me because it, it, it's, it's the reason why I work so damn hard yeah. to, to be a kind person from the, mo- from the moment my eyes open to the moment my eyes close is because I know that as soon as we get off this call, it could be the last time I talk to you too. Mm-hmm. I know that it's it's reality and and like it's just so much more it's so much more easier for me to appreciate life knowing that Mm -hmm. and and i think that is like the the thing that if more people would stop for a second sit down and be like oh shit my life is going to end sometime what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, that's a, a foundation that mindset can be built upon. Mm-hmm. So is that something that you have to keep telling yourself? Is that something that triggers the planning or how, it's, where, where does it go after that statement? It, it, I, I, I mean, just like anything, man, it's, it's, you have to remind yourself, Yeah. you know, especially when, especially when you're reacting out of character you know like out of Mm. the character that you like to be in Mm -hmm. because Mm. because we all have different characters that we can play um and for me the 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 person the version of me that i enjoy being the most is the hardworking, supportive kind caring person that i portray myself as and i work so hard to be Mm -hmm. And when there's a cemetery right next to tried and true. So when I walk through that cemetery, it's, it's, it's easy to remind myself that. Yeah. Life is finite and we're only here for a blip. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing Ron is, uh, is self-awareness and, um, when you said, um, no, like knowing, knowing when you're no longer the, like being the person you want to be something along those lines, be, being able to recognize 
in the moment when you're not in line with your character that you choose that you want not after the fact because after the fact sometimes it's too late mm-hmm. when when in the moment you there's there's uh triggers rec- you can recognize right away like oh okay let me take a step back let me take a deep breath let me let me go let me get into character again because i'm getting out of character and yeah remember you will you will die i was just so looking looking at the meditations book marcus aurelius he's he said he said that memento mori is the mantra and that's where um like you said alex uh you know being having to remind yourself of these things that's where the mantras really help they come into play mm-hmm. especially if you repeat them habitually and they and there's things that we do repeat to ourselves habitually and that creates our you know behavior all a lot a lot of the times and if one of your um repetitive phrases your cool your mantras is um something along the lines of uh, i choose to be this right mm-hmm. or i will die one day mm-hmm. then it's a that's a gentle it's a subtle reminder yeah to to be present be self-aware so yeah that's don ron that's an awesome that was an awesome one to to bring up and, and I'm imagining like when I realized this as a human being, when I first encountered the term, the term memento mori and read about it in, in, a, in a book and then uh, and thought to myself, wow, you know what? Now I'm on a different level. Now I can, I can take this, this, uh, this view from, you know, hovering over something to now being way on top of it and being able to look out and look in. Definitely. That's a good one. What are some answers that you tend to hear from that, Alex? Like, uh, or what's a, what's a good, a good one you've heard from as that, far asking as question, asking that question, like what's a, what's the mindset trick that's going to level you up. That's going to go from like level 72 um, to 73. I think a lot of, uh, people will talk about systems that they, they put in place because it's important to uh, get whatever's on your mind down in paper and then being able to see if you're actually heading, heading in that direction. Um, and I think Mark taught us all about that is yes, we can have an idea, but if we don't have a plan, it's not really gonna matter too much. But I think to some people like a reminders app, some people, love to journal. Some people like to have a virtual assistant or an actual assistant, um, but figuring out what's going to work for you and making it more of a, once again, a, a science project to discover how it's going to work out, not necessarily why um, if two plus two, you didn't get four, like figuring out how you're going to get four the next time and just lather, rinse, repeat until you get there rather than it needing uh, to be perfect the, the first time, I would say. But I, I think it comes down to understanding, like you said, the, the brain does a lot of different things. <laughs> so if you understand why it's doing mm-hmm. those things, it's gonna be a lot easier mm-hmm. um, to understand why something is or is not happening. Yeah, there's something I, I learned recently um, I forget it was, it was on a, 
I don't know, Andrew Huberman podcast. I don't know if you listen to him. A little bit. But yeah, he, he was interviewing someone about um, cor- change, about behavior change, like correcting behaviors or uh, mm-hmm. whatever. And he, he wrote this great book about it. I gotta, I'm going to read it soon. Um, anyway, the, the, the thing I, re- I remember taking away from this, I was on a run listening to this and he said these, this phrase and I was, and it, it just struck me. It was like, sometimes all it takes is knowledge. All it takes is awareness of something to make, to change. Mm-hmm. Sometimes all it takes is, is knowing that something exists for, for you to now go and pursue that thing and, and, and be different. And, and, and for me, it was understanding that um, our, our thoughts are physiological processes, mm-hmm. right? Like you just said, like it's the brain does weird stuff. Does it does things like everything that happens that like words coming out of my mouth right now. And my, my hand movements, these are physiological, mm-hmm. but like it, it happens in nature um, as a result of something else, right? The way that processes work. And that, that that's something that's uh, been boggling my mind for the last couple of years, right? And, uh, and formed a lot of how I coach too. It's really mm-hmm. cool. Have you guys ever found something that either you had a goal or an idea that was actually impossible? Can you elaborate that, on that? Uh, so I would say a lot of people say uh, have goals and they negate them because it's going to be too hard or it's impossible or for whatever reason. Um, has there been anything like that that you have just not done because you thought it was going to be too hard? Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there, There's... I mean, what's that Einstein quote? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Um, I really, really, really wanted to be a master's games athlete. Mm -hmm. And and what I was doing uh, was not working. Um, And and I reached out to a coach and got and I got some feedback and was put in the position to make a decision. Do I want to work with this person or, you know, or do I want to find somebody else or do I want to let this goal go? Um, and and I decided to let the goal go. Well, like, if you don't mind, what was the feedback? Uh, the feedback was just like some uh some things that really needed to be addressed, some limitations and um, the amount of time that I would have needed to dedicate to it, uh, that I would have needed to dedicate to it um, Mm -hmm. to, to fix those limitations was at that. It was more than I was willing to, to, to put in. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, like I was already making sacrifices and um, I had just, I had just moved back out on my own. Um, and, and really out on my own own for the first time. Cause it was after my ex-wife and I split Yeah. and, and I had to work. So, so know? there was a path you just decided not to take that path. Cause exactly. you, you saw, okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and like, uh, well, and then earlier in my life, uh, when I wanted to be a professional bike rider, 
there there was no path right it, it just <laughs> it just yeah I looked at the environment that I lived in and the opportunities that I had and the ability to go after it was just not it wasn't mm-hmm. con, it wasn't convenient yeah and a couple I, and years I, early and it, yeah, you know, for, for sure. That's definitely what it was. It was, it, it was years early. If, um, had we had, had, had me and my friends had the YouTube stuff that kids have now quite possibly could have been a different situation. Yeah. Um, but we, we didn't have the influence. We didn't have the accessibility to ride the type of things that one would need to ride, to learn how to do big tricks on to 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 be able to become a professional um we didn't have we didn't have the people to get in like the the convenience to get in front of people who could sponsor people because our location was extremely limiting Mm -hmm. and and i let that goal go Mm. and and then let's also when i when i was doing mixed martial arts and like every amateur fighter wants to be a pro someday and and then in my sixth amateur fight i got hit in the face really hard (laughs) and i was like oh shit maybe this isn't for me (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know it, it takes it takes a special breed to get punched in the face and keep keep coming And, and, uh, I will remember the night before that fight and that fight for the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. I was extremely anxious. I couldn't sleep. I, I don't even remember the walkout to the cage. I, I remember getting hit. I remember how hard I got hit. I remember thinking that I got spun around, but when I watched the video, that didn't happen. Mm. like and and i remember how shitty i felt when i lost that one because Mm -hmm. i worked i worked really hard leading up to it and and then i ended up getting an infection in my gum from that punch wow yeah and and the whole experience was just like you know i I don't know if i want to do this again yeah what i'm what i'm hearing ron uh and man the the question was have you set a goal and then realized it was impossible and to your three points the masters games athlete goal the professional bike rider the mma fighter um, like yeah there's a that you saw a path there is a path, right? No, yeah. It, it's, it exists. And, and I had this conversation with someone recently uh, um, about like how your environment um, influences what you get to do in your future. Like there's, there's, there's limitations, of course. Um, it's talked about in the talent code. Yeah. Um, yes, exactly. And, and, and given that environment, you also are really um, ready to do certain things like really um, setups for success in in a couple of things and then other things are really difficult um, and we talked about this like when we started this this recording uh, the 
the influencers and the podcasts and the books can show us this new perspective, this other possibility. So you can actually go, you can, you can go to the library and read and see like, and start to draw a roadmap to how to get from homeless guy in New York city to, to uh, Elon Musk level. Right. Or you can see how to go from broken, uh, you know, injured, um, non-athlete to math or overweight uh, non-athlete to masters games athlete in 10 years like there's a path there's definitely a roadmap there and there's there's coaches that make a ton of money off getting people <laughs> from hey are you are you do you weigh 300 pounds and 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 you want to become a the next uh 40 to 40 45 year old crossfit games uh champion um in five years or less, like, yeah, cool. There's a, there's a, there's a way to do that. And what I'm hearing from the themes across your reasons for choosing not to do that or follow these paths is, is that it didn't serve you in that, that moment. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't line up with your values. It was impossible for the mindset that I had. True. That too. Yeah. There was no conceivable way that you could do that you could understand doing that and and feeling good about it um and and what what i'd like for you know people listening to this and and hearing the question of like you know goal impossible like like any goal within reason there i there i imagine there's some exceptions like most goals right are, are attainable possible right possible is a very uh broad term probable is different right mm -hmm. is it probable that's 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 where the subjectivity comes in and the decision making that you have to make right that's why i chose like the mindset tip that's going to level you up is decision making skills and 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 reflection because you could look at a situation like oh man well i've been training for so long i've been doing these things i should be at this level and qualifying for the you know the 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 next level of the the crossfit games and 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 hopefully i can make it but something keeps coming up like this thing and i got to fix it and i have this limitation this obstacle this roadblock except it's not really that important to me right now so i've had this goal in mind right that I thought was important, except to do, in order to do what it takes to, to get there, I have to do things that are not important to me or that I am not willing to, I'm not willing to sacrifice other areas in order to do this right now. And that's a, that's a piece of self-awareness because a lot of times I, I imagine, and I see this in, in clients, people have these, these goals that exist because of their, their belief that it needs to happen or that it needs to be true or that, you know, there's, there's a level of ego involved, except, and then this was a great episode we did with Ray about health, ego, and performance. Like, why are you doing this? Is it for ego? Okay. If it is acknowledge that, accept it, train for that purpose. If it, is it for performance? Well, you're going to have to do things differently, mm -hmm. right? So you're, you're consciously looking at things from a different perspective and saying, okay, well, I'm not willing to give up this so I can fulfill this dream. Right. Instead, uh, this is, you know, I'm going to choose to go this route. And, and, and then this is where the, the, the really helpful, this is where it's really helpful to have a strong mindset 
and, uh, and why we coach mindset, right? To do that, to make that choice and feel good and feel good about your choice, your decision. Mm-hmm. To, to, to feel confident that the choice you're making is the right one for you and you can move on with your life uh, not feeling guilty, not feeling like you just wasted six years of your life training for something that wasn't happening, right? right. Not feeling like, oh, that, that marriage failed and my life is over. No, it's, a, it, hey, it was an experiment. So, so taking these like dream states and like I've had big goals that I've decided, hey, well, these are no longer important to me. Um, and then I, I've had huge goals and I still have huge goals that I'm like, well, what, how can I make this work mm-hmm. for me? And rabbit holes. I love them. Alex, what is uh, final uh, double jeopardy final question for you? All right. What's risking it all. I'll yeah. Double down. What, what is <laughs> your vision for the impact you have on the world? Uh, my vision is through my, uh, podcast and selective coaching that, uh, via discussing with other people and bringing on other people with different perspectives and lessons and stories, um, that it will be a place that people can learn and gain perspective to help improve their life. What's the name of your podcast? Uh, bald chats it was bald cast and then somebody was suing me for name rights so i changed it to bald chats hmm that's interesting <laughs> are yeah. you gonna are you gonna uh you, you're gonna trademark that yeah that, that that's necessary <laughs> yeah do it <laughs> speaking of trademarks i gotta do that too for us <laughs> i keep getting reminded by my mm-hmm. uh my accountant actually um okay Awesome, man. Final thoughts, Ronald White? Uh, I apologize for misunderstanding the time that this was supposed to happen. And I'm glad I was able to jump in because (laughs) uh, it was very valuable. Good conversation. Agreed. Awesome. Alex. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Absolutely.